People are just, they don't know what it is to not be extravagant. Mary is the sort who runs out to Jesus, who sits at his feet, who, who, who just, she's just an extravagant personality, but, but more than that, she, she sometimes gets it right, because sometimes there is a need for extravagance. Look at what she does here. She brings about, uh, what did the Bible say, 12 ounces, um, about, depending who you read, about 327 grams of nard. And she uses this nard, this, this perfume, and she anoints Jesus with it. John says she pours it over his feet. Mark says she pours it over his head. Um, basically, she's covering his whole body with this nard. And she wipes her feet dry with her hair. She lets her hair down, which is a weird thing to do because in that culture, the only people that would have their hair down in public were prostitutes. But Mary is just so lost in grief, I think. I think it's grief. But, but it's just also abandon. There's, there's this weird mixture in Mary of, is she, is she honoring Jesus for what he has done? But no, she's also, she knows that something's up. Jesus is going to be arrested. And she's just... She's just abandoning all to honor Jesus. Um, nard smells like gladiolus, if that helps anyone. Nard is also bright red. Can you imagine? Just a few days to go until Jesus on the cross, and Mary sits in the home of Simon with red dripping all over him. Just a few days, his body will be dripping red again. The amount of nard that she puts on him is, is lavish. Uh, John tells us it's worth a year's wages for a day laborer. Uh, which is about 300 denarii, which means absolutely nothing to you or to me. Um, but if we look at uh, the minimum wage of Australia, so a day laborer's wage, minimum wage of Australia, uh, a year's worth of that, eight hours a day, we're talking about $39,288. $39,000 that she spends and pours over Jesus. She could have bought cheaper nard. It was available in the markets at that time for about a hundred denarii, if you got the cheap nard. But no, Mary goes and she, she gets the 300 denarii, the $40,000 perfume. Perhaps because she wants to give her very best to Christ while she still has the chance. And we're told by John there that so much perfume is poured out that the whole house smelled of it. And in fact, the, the smell would have lingered on the person of Jesus. I, I was quite struck by this when I read it. Um, if the timing is six days or if the timing is two days, I, I think it's two days. Jesus would have been smelling this perfume right up until the time he was arrested and possibly even when he was on the cross. Can you imagine that? 
going through all that agony and smelling the perfume of one who says, thank you. It's just this, the last pleasant smell he smelt before his death, perhaps. And isn't it fantastic that Jesus said in one of the Gospels that what she did would be remembered wherever the Gospel is told. I I can't imagine. Wouldn't it have been fantastic to have done something to bless Jesus on the way to the cross like that? He is God, but he was also man. feel the weight of the cross, but also to feel the love of those he came to save. Jesus says in verse 7, he says he knows that his burial is near, and that Mary did this to prepare him for his burial. It was intended, says Jesus. There was a divine purpose to all of this. Did Mary know Exactly what she was doing, I don't know. Uh, it's impossible to say if Mary knew the significance, but, but her actions were prophetic nonetheless. Jesus approved of what she did because Mary realized the value of the person that they were entertaining that night. And when I look at Mary, I ask myself, how much do I value Jesus? How much would I do or give just out of adoration for him. And and Mary was doing this before the resurrection. She was doing this before the cross. She was adoring Christ before he had done the thing that he is most to be adored for. And she spent $40,000, her life savings probably. Wow. Too often the person I value most is not Christ, but me. If you read Matthew, Mark, and Luke as they tell the story, we find that, that the disciples are a bit like that because... They are all indignant at Mary for wasting so much money and perfume. John here, the one that we read, he he highlights uh, the ringleader of the opposition, Judas. A man who had money on his mind. Judas is the, the kind of person, a good churchman, old Judas. There's a great book, um, highly recommended, Adrian Plass, Looking Good, Being Bad. 
all about how to appear to be the most fantastic rays of light shining out of your head kind of person, but to actually be able to do whatever you want. A tongue-in-cheek book. But that's the kind of person that Judas was. Um, he sounds really pious and correct. Oh, what a waste. We could have given that money to the poor. Poor, poor. But behind the scenes, he's very different. And, and you know, he had a reputation for looking after the poor as well. At the Last Supper, uh, when Judas leaves, we're told that, that the other disciples thought that he was going to give money to the poor. But no, the actual fact is that, that Judas is a traitor. I wonder if they'd realized at this stage. Judas looked good, but his good looks were skin deep. He cared more for himself than for anyone else. We're told here that he was the treasurer and that as such he often stole some of the money. In other words, before betraying Jesus' person, he had already betrayed Jesus' trust. Have you ever wondered why was Judas the treasurer? I, I don't think I would have chosen him. You got Matthew there, who was a tax collector, who worked with money his whole life. True, he was a, a charlatan and a crook, but at least he knew how money worked. I probably would have chosen Matthew. But Jesus chose Judas. Now, we're not told when the disciples figured out that Judas had been pilfering from the money bag, but I'm pretty sure that Jesus knew what Judas was onto. Jesus knew what Judas was doing, and yet Jesus appointed Judas treasurer, and yet Jude, Jesus left Judas being treasurer. I wonder if Jesus spoke to him at all about it. We just don't know. I wonder if Jesus was giving him an opportunity to, to correct and to repent and to turn back. It seems to be how he treats us today. When we do wrong as one of his disciples, just as Judas was, he doesn't. Yank us out of line, always. He just gently nudges. I wonder if he gently nudged Judas. John says here, Judas is the disciple who would soon betray him. And I think he says exactly that at that point. He says, Judas, the one who would soon betray him. He names him that because we are starting to see something of the motivation behind Judas's betrayal. Now, I, I'm not going to pretend like I understand exactly why Judas did it, but, but I, I, I have a sneaking suspicion that part of it comes down to Judas being for Judas. And part of it comes down for Judas wanting what Judas got best. That doesn't make sense. Judas wanting what Judas wanted. Judas wanted money. Judas wanted power, probably. Judas wanted what Judas wanted. quite telling that he got a not inconsequential amount of money for betraying Jesus. You think about it. Judas got how many pieces of silver coins? He got 30 pieces of silver. 30 pieces of silver. 
Mary has just poured out 300. Look at that act of devotion, 300 pieces of silver, $40,000. And Judas, $4,000 will do, you can have his life. I wonder if this was the last straw for Judas, seeing Jesus waste money like this. Of course, it wouldn't be a waste if Judas got to spend it on himself. I don't know, but I do know that Mark, in his telling of the gospel, puts Judas going to betray Jesus straight after this story. Judas sees, Judas complains, Judas goes to betray Jesus. Luke 22, we read that Satan entered into Judas. I don't think he was possessed. I think he chose what he he did. He was culpable. But he was, at the minimum, influenced by Satan, directed by Satan. Um, Of course, Satan wants Jesus' removal. But Judas was still a moral agent. He, He was choosing what he was doing. He put himself first, and Satan used that to direct him against Jesus. Judas took the initiative. Judas went to the leading priests and the captains of the guard. Judas discussed the way best to betray Jesus to them. They were delighted and they started mentioning money. And Judas was delighted in turn. I think Judas reminds me that people can be led by forces that pull them in different directions and directions that are destructive. And as much as I would like to look at myself and see a splurging Mary, more often I think we can look at ourselves and analyze the role of sin in our lives and, and see that we are all potential Judases. Because fundamentally sin is betrayal. To sin is to betray God. And it's also to to betray those who are injured by our sin. Uh, it, it even betrays us because sin is damaging. It's destructive. One of the terrible things about sin is that it, it tends to, to bring with it this, this layer of insulation. Um, rationalization. I mean, how did Judas rationalize what he did? Did did he think Jesus was losing the plot? Did he did he rationalize that 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 he wouldn't have been as short sighted regarding wealth? Did he maybe rationalize a way that oh they won't really kill Jesus? If Jesus is the Messiah; he can sort himself out. I, I don't know how Judas rationalized what he did, but but I'm sure he tried to rationalize it away, a way to place the blame somewhere else, a way to try and live with himself. But sin is in many ways like the foil insulation scheme that failed here. Because sometimes we think that we get away with it and other times the very insulation shocks us to death.
Judas realized too late that there was no way to rationalize away what he did. He threw the money back and he went and he hung himself. Judas is the disciple who is no disciple at all. For years, all the other disciples had looked at him and joked with him and laughed with him and trusted him. But now we see where his heart really lies. His heart lies here. Not with his God, not with his Lord, not with Jesus. And I think, let me finish with this point, that, that Judas reminds us that just because you are a member of a church, attendee of a church, associated with a church, doesn't mean that you are saved. Um, faith saves but only a faith that doesn't turn its back decisively on Jesus. A believer may deny Jesus, like Peter, but not engage in that full-scale defection that Judas does. Because we will be saved if we hold on to Jesus to the end. Jesus was a disturber. He disturbed the officials. He upset the balance of power. Jesus disturbed the lives of so many people. Some he disturbed for good and they wanted to honor him and they loved him. Some Jesus disturbed because well, Judas, it was because Judas wasn't getting number one. Jesus disturbs everyone. But how we respond to Jesus will decide whether he disturbs us for the good or for bad. Father, thank you so much that you sent your son. Thank you that you love us. Lord, thank you that, that you are a God of forgiveness and grace. Thank you that you have done so much for us. Lord, I pray that you would help us to, to honor you with our lives. Lord, I pray that with, with everything we have, we would, we would praise you that our very lives would be a song of adoration. Lord, so often we, we are willing to give you some praise, but, but within us battles the fight between the Mary and the Judas, the longing to adore you and the longing to adore ourselves. Father, may we adore you. Help us to do that with every moment of every day. Amen. Graham says the offering. The offering uh, will be taken up while the musicians come up. Thank you, Graham.
stand and let's sing. Deep inside and recreate me. All of my life I long to be more like you. Your heart, I give the world to follow your heart. For no one else could ever love me like Present you faultless before the presence of his glory with exceeding joy. To the only wise God, our Father, be glory and majesty, dominion and power, now and forever. And may you, may you, may I, may we be as Mary 
Amen. Amen.